All right, so a little bit about Real Estate IQ. Uh, we are number one in deal finding. So when we say deal finding, so we provide data for you to market to find deals, right? So we have uh, not only we provide the data for uh, tax delinquencies, foreclosures, uh, anything that divorce, probate, anything that you can think about as a distress situation for the seller. Then uh, we also have tools that will give you uh, potential deals in MLS and also uh, county data so you can you know, mark, target certain segments of the population. So there are a lot of, diff- lot of different things that we provide. Now with ROI Muse, uh, we provide the tools for you to analyze and we also provide training on how to structure the deals, how to analyze the deals and make sure you know, not only you're, you're doing deals, but you're, do, you're doing it the right way, right? So, so that we all want to make money and that the, the goal is to make money and not, lose, not to lose money, right? So that's where you know, we provide the data, services, and also tools to make sure that you, know, you get your job done correctly. All right. <clears throat> uh, we'll start with a quick testimonial from one of our uh, users. Uh, so just give you an idea about, you know, what We're here with Cecilio, and he is a very happy client of Real Estate IQ. So tell us about uh, uh, what you like about us. What have you done? Well, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, I do my marketing, and I get people to call me that want to sell me their house. Uh, you know, I do my spiel on the telephone, like, okay, I get all the information. Um, and from there, um, I don't have to even... I get all the information, I send it to a, a partner of mine, Michelle, and I say, okay, here's the house, here are the numbers, um, tell me if it's a good deal or not. So she gets on Real Estate IQ and she finds the comps, she finds the ARV, she finds all of the stuff that Real Estate IQ has to offer, and so just from Real Estate IQ, I get all the numbers that I need to um, prepare and, you know, go to that house and make an offer and all that stuff so definitely real estate IQ um, eliminates any need for me to call like a real estate agent like hey the comps the this and that the numbers real estate IQ like takes care of all of that for me and uh, yeah uh, you, you go in there for about 10 minutes and they give you all the information so it's, it's really good um, website to go to to do all of that very nice. And how many deals have you guys won? Huh? How many deals have you guys uh, won? Currently, we are working on about four properties. Nice. Uh, we found all the numbers on Real Estate IQ. We found all the comparables, all the ARVs, all, every, everything we needed to know we found on Real Estate IQ. So we're really, um, me and we, as uh, I'm really happy and my partners are really happy because we also use you guys as well. Fantastic. Real Estate IQ will empower you through real estate unlimited data. Thank you. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that was a good testimonial, right? So, uh, if you, I don't know if you heard all of it, but, you know, we provide, like I mentioned before, we provide the data, the comms, uh, the deal finding suites, and also the deal analysis suites now, right? So, so there is everything packaged into one, one solution you can get from one company for all your needs. All right, so uh, we are also, we'll talk about this at the end as well. So we are also offering a 45 minute one-on-one training for anybody who's interested in learning more about 
how this can help your business. So, so we, we are doing a 45 minutes one-on-one -on -one training for deal finding and also a separate 45 minutes one-on-one -on -one training on deal analysis. So if you're interested in either of those, uh, you can let us know and we'll be happy to set that up for you. And it's 100% free as well. All right, now let's get into our class. Uh, welcome everyone, thanks for joining us. Uh, so um, I am Joseph James. Uh, my, uh, my company is ROI Muse that we are partnered with Real Estate IQ to bring some additional services for you. Uh, so I've been a real estate investor. Uh, I'm also a real estate developer, uh, commercial real estate broker, and also a real estate and business coach. So I've been doing this for more than 10 years. And uh, so if you need any help, uh, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, Jeff will post my, uh, my email uh, in the chat. So if, if you want to copy that and save it, whatever you need help with, uh, let us know. Uh, we'll be happy to help you out. Or if we can't help you, then we'll connect you to the right people. All right, a little bit about my company, ROI Muse. Uh, we set up this company uh, to provide education tools and systems uh, to help you increase your income and wealth, right? So that is our purpose. That is our mission. And the way we do that is by creating easy to use and easy to learn tools and also providing innovative tools to make your, you know, make you more productive and also make sure that you're doing the deals the right way, structuring the deals the right way, and also making sure that, you know, you're, pro you're profitable when you either buy and hold or fix and flip. And our tools are very affordable, right? So we wanted to make it affordable so everybody have access to it. And then we also provide uh, transformative learning. So when I said transformative learning, uh, there are a lot of good companies out there. They provide a lot of coaches, you know, courses and, you know, the, you know it, uh, it, most of us have bought courses and never opened it, right? That is sitting on your shelves and collecting dust. Uh, the different way we, we understand that, and, and I've done, uh, I'm guilty as charged, right? I've bought several courses that I've never even opened. And that is pretty much what happens in the real estate investment world. There are so many gurus out there, so many courses out there, so many podcasts, you know, every, you know, we all get very excited and we all go buy and, you know, buy different courses. And sometimes, you know, we, you know, study it. And most people just open the first chapter and then they never go back to it. So what we do is different, right? So we, what we're calling it transformative learning, which is a case study based learning. So everything we do, because we have the tools to give it to you, so we can use the tools to enhance your learning process. And those are, you know, the tools that you can use in your real life investments as well, right? So it's not just a course you take and forget about it. It's just a course combined with the tools that makes it more transformative learning for you guys. And, uh, you know, we are 100% dedicated to your success. So any, anything you need help with, you know, both Real Estate IQ and ROI Muse, you know, we are really good at customer service and, uh, you know, we have communities and things like that. So you can have a partner with other people or get help from other people, get help from the community, right? So it takes a village. Like that's the saying, right? So that's what we are trying to do here. All right, so why do we invest in real estate, right? So I think for most of us, it's to create passive income and also design the life we want, right? So have the freedom to do whatever we want, whenever we want, like instead of being dictated by somebody else. I think if you talk to 100 real estate investors, 95% of them will tell you the same story It's because of the freedom, not only the financial freedom, but the freedom with your time and schedule, right? So you can spend more time with your family. So whatever your, your why is, you know, make sure that, you know, you, you give it some thought about what you're compelling, why, why you want to do this, and also have a strong desire, right? Once you're going into this, especially when you're investing money or working with other people's money, you want to make sure that you're not taking this as a 
hobby, right? This is a business. So treat it like a business. Make sure that you learn the right things, have the right tools, you know, have the right people around you so you can be successful, right? And people who want to do business with you. So make sure that you dream big and then go for it. All right, so today, uh, what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about how to create the win-win partnership, right? So uh, if you have money, you can invest, start investing with your money, but even the folks who have a lot of money, they all tend to work with other people's money, right? Because that's how you scale your business. Uh, so nobody's going to have, you know, most people are not going to you know, have enough money to start. Uh, so if you do have no money, that's fine. You know, you have some, you have to learn some skills and, you know, especially in finding deals and analyzing deals so that you can put deals together for other people, right? There are plenty of people with money who will want to partner with you if you find a good deal. Now, if you have some money, you know, you can obviously want to invest and hold properties or fix and flip or do whatever you want to do. Uh, but the way you grow your wealth is by holding properties over a period of time. So if you do a couple of flips, think about holding the third one, right? Or if you do a three, four wholesaling deals, wholesale deals, then maybe look at you know, one good deal that you can hold, right? So when the more properties that you hold uh, is how you grow your wealth and your net worth as well, right? So, so make sure that you're looking at both the income side of things and also growing your, uh, growing your wealth side of things. All right, so let's talk about how you can you know, partner with other people. So if you're talking about OPM, right? OPM is other people's money. Um, so let's say what, what are, uh, before we go into that, let me make sure that, uh, you know, take notes uh, if you need to. And uh, also if you stick till the end, so we have some free gifts for you as well. So uh, make sure you stick till the end. And if you're on your telephone, telephone device, um, try to switch to a desktop or uh, a desktop or a laptop if you can, because we're going to do a live case study. Like I said, you know, the transformative learning comes from doing case studies or actually seeing how these things work. Right. So, uh, so make sure that, you know, you switch over to a laptop or desktop if possible uh, in the next uh, 10 to 20 minutes. All right. So this is the age old question. What is more important? Is the deal more important or money more important? Right. So there is, you know, if you, you can just Google this and you'll be find a lot of articles written on this subject. Uh, so let's just assume that this is 50, 50, right? So, uh, you know, you can argue that if it's a really good deal, you know, I mean, obviously we want to control the deal as investors and money will find you, right? There's a saying that if you find a good deal, money will find you, right? So that is really true because you just need to know how to network and put your deal out there. So people who are interested, uh, who have the money can partner with you. And if you have the money, then you no, know, even better, right? You know, but it's not necessary to do real estate investment. And that's why a lot of people get into this business. It's a very fantasized business because a lot of the late night gurus and a lot of these uh, so-called seminar gurus, uh, they all make it sound very easy to do. And some of that's true. And some people get, uh, you know, a lot of success out of it. Uh, but unfortunately, a big number of people, they just, you know, buy some courses and coaching and don't do anything with it. Right. And we don't want you to you know, do that. That's why we don't charge you anything for uh, any, any of those services, unless you really want help with something specific, right? So just make sure that, you know, your mindset is correct, uh, you know, or all in before you go purchase a course or a coaching program. Uh, I'm not opposed to courses or coaching programs because I've done it myself. I bought several courses. I've done several seminars and I've also paid a lot of money for coaching, which is all great, right? But make sure that you are committed to this business before you spend a lot of money. All right. So again, back to deal or 
money, right? You know, so let's, we are, in this case, we are going to assume we are the, the, you know, the real estate investor who has the deal, and then we are looking for money, right? So that's, a, that's what we are going to uh, assume in for this, uh, for this uh, training here. So let's look at some of the major sources of financing. So obviously the bank financing, uh, when you're talking about bank financing, typically there is two kinds, the traditional or conventional financing, which is your Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, kind of uh, government-backed lenders. And then there is something called a portfolio lender. A portfolio lender is typically your local bank, you know, a community bank or credit union, things like that, you know. So the main difference between these two are in a traditional bank, you know, there are more guidelines and, you know, that they have to follow. And, you know, it's a little bit harder to get a loan. And uh, if you have, and there are also some limits on how many loans you can have, right? So I think the maximum you can have one, one person, under one person's name in a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac kind of loan is 10. Uh, but, you know, usually when you have, what I've heard is usually when you have four to five uh, properties, you know, then it becomes harder to get the, you know, fifth or sixth, right? Because now your debt to income ratio and a bunch of other things they want to consider. Uh, but it's certainly possible to do up to 10 is the, is the maximum you can do. But in a case of a portfolio lender, uh, because th their guidance will be, or their, you know, uh, what they want, you know, what conditions will be a little bit less uh, compared to a traditional, you know, a traditional Fannie Mae lender. Uh, but these are local banks, so they can make decisions quicker. But their terms and interest rates are not going to be as favorable, right? So typically, you know, people go with, you know, at least for the first few deals, you want to try to go with Fannie Mae, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac lenders because your interest rates will be the lowest and also your amortization will be the longest, right? 30 amortizations. When you go to a portfolio lender, your, investor, you know, your loan to value and your interest rate will be a little bit higher. And also uh, the, the term might be, you know, instead of 30 year amortization, you know, it might be a lower, maybe 20 year amortization or 15 year amortization, right? So it may not cash flow as much. So there are pros and cons for both. Once you have a lot of properties, typically, you know, most investors tend to work with a portfolio lender because it makes it so much, so much easier to deal with. So those are the two different banking you have. Then we have something called hard money lenders. So hard money lenders are asset-based lenders. So they are not necessarily looking at your credit. I mean, most of them will look at your credit at least maybe, uh, but that's not the most important factor, right? If the deal is solid, they will fund it because they're funding it based on a typically based on you know, a percentage of after repair value, right? So they are looking at the asset uh, more than you as a borrower, right? So that's why it becomes a little bit more uh, easier for us to get a loan with the hard money lender. Uh, advantage obviously is, is easier to qualify uh, for us, plus it's also uh, much quicker, right? So we can, you know, we can get a loan done and close on a deal in one to two weeks. And in the real estate investment, you know, timing is very important, right? So the faster you can get a deal done uh, or closed, it will probably help you with win that deal. So instead of going to the seller and saying that yeah, I'll close in 30 days or 40 days, you can say that I can close in you know, you know, 10 days or you know, two weeks, right? So that makes a big difference from the seller's perspective, whether, whether when they're considering, you know, if, if, whether they're going to accept your offer. So make sure that you uh, get yourself uh, qualified uh, with a hard money lender, uh, you know, because when the deals come, they go quickly, right? So you need to make sure that you are all set to jump on it, and that you have a hard money lender on standby uh, to help you with the help you with that. Now, when you have a little bit more credibility and when you have a little bit more uh, know-how, 
then you will want to work with private money lenders. The main private money lenders are like hard money lenders. Only difference is, you know, they are mostly individual people, maybe not as structured as a hard money lender, but their interest rates and the cost for the loan will be much lower, right? So, and they may be also more willing to work with you uh, you know, to structure the deal a little bit more flexible. Hard money lenders typically, they have one or two or three programs and they'll stick to those programs, right? So maybe they have a program for fix and flip and maybe a program for buy and hold. And uh, they may also have, you know, a slight variation on that based on, you know, how much experience you have and if, they, if you've done deals with them in the past, right? But private money lenders uh, are just individuals like me and you. Uh, they just happen to have a lot of money and they want to partner with you if you have a good deal, right? And you can structure these deals uh, to make it a win-win. So don't be greedy. Um, you know, just try to make it a win-win situation uh, for people to want to work with you. And the goal is to do multiple deals, right? So if you, instead of doing one deal a year, you can do 10 deals a year, right? If you have enough people you are lined up to partner with. All right, then... Other sources of funding, you know, I just, I just wanted to mention, throw that out there, credit cards, you know, business line of credits, business loans, you know, home equity loans, home equity line of credits. So these are some of the other sources that you can tap into if that's available to you, right? You know, uh, so depending on your, where you are financially and with your employment and your net worth, you may be able to, uh, instead of going to a private money lender, you may be able to, uh, you know, get some equity out of your home or get a home equity line of credit to get a deal done, right? So that way you can keep all the profit to yourself. So whenever possible, you know, we don't want to give up. There's a lot of work in finding deals and a lot of work in renovations and getting it sold to make a profit. So you don't want to give up your profit unless you have to, right? So, uh, so look at all, all, all ways you can get a deal funded, right? So I just wanted to put that out there. All right, so what can be financed? Typically, you know, obviously the purchase price or a portion of the purchase price, rehab amount or a portion of the rehab amount, carrying costs like your operating expenses, you know, taxes, insurance, things like that, utility cost while you're doing the rehab, and then also closing costs, right? You know, your title, escrow, um, maybe even uh, real estate commissions and things like that, right? So those are things, some of the things that you can be financed. And... All right, so let's talk about some of the different deal structures. So I basically split it into two. Uh, one is, you know, we'll, we'll talk about fix and flip first, and then we'll talk about, you know, buy and hold, right? How you want to structure your deals for buy and hold. I'm not a big fan of buy and hold partnerships, you know, long-term because, you know, it just makes it difficult. Unless it's a bigger deal or a commercial property, then obviously every single commercial property is, you know, a partnership some one way or the other. Uh, but on a single family home, you know, typically you are partnering with somebody for a fix and flip, right? Uh, other one, you know, if you're going to do a buy and hold, there are a couple of different strategies you can use that are mostly based on debt, right? Not debt and equity. So we'll cover some of these, uh, some of these structures. All right, so some of the things that will affect your ability to partner with other people or structure the deals. One is obviously is your expertise. The more expertise you have and more experience you have, more people will want to partner with you because the risk for them is lower, right? It's always going to be based on risk and reward. So the more experience you have, uh, you, know, you know, the better deal structure you can get because there'll be a lot more people wanting to work with you. Uh, your credibility, you know, it goes along the same way. You know, if you, if you have an ethical business, uh, more people will want to work with you, right? And if you have a good track record, a lot of people want to work with you. 
uh, availability of funds, you know, like you mentioned, you know, can you get the funds yourself? You know, can you go to a hard money lender and get a, get funding? Or can you go uh, get a you know, home equity line of credit to get some funding, right? Because every partner to reduce their risk will want to see some skin in the game from your end, right? So instead of getting 100% funding from a partner, which is very difficult to do, unless you, are, you have a super really good deal and you have some good experience, good credibility as well, right? So, uh, so that's why there are so many different ways you can structure deals. I'm just going to show you some of the frameworks, but every single deal, you can structure it any way you want. It's all up for negotiations. Okay, size of the deal. So the bigger the deal, you know, maybe there's enough to go around to whet everybody's you know, appetite, right? So there is, that definitely matters. And the risk associated with the deal. If the, real, the deal is super solid, then everybody will want to work with you on that, right? Because the risk is so low for the lender or your partner. Uh, on the other hand, if the deal is kind of, you know, so-so, you know, then, you know, then it'd be hard to get that, you know, get a good partner, uh, somebody to come along on that as well. All right, so let's look at the deal structures. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about three different things. One is debt only. Uh, so debt meaning it's, a, you know, you're borrowing money, right? So that's what debt means. Then, then there's equity, debt and equity, where, you know, you are not only borrowing funds, you're also agreeing to you know, split some profits, right? So that's what we mean by debt and equity. And then the final one is equity only. Equity only meaning that, you know, somebody's going to just give you the money or, you know, at the end of the day, they're not taking any interest rate. They just want a, a, a profit split at the end. So those are typically the broad categories that you can, and then there are so many variations within, the, within each of those that is up for negotiations. So debt only. So the most common one, uh, again, here, assuming that you're doing a fix and flip, so it's a distressed property that you need to get a loan from a hard money lender, right? So typically, they're going, to, they're going to base that loan based on either loan to value, loan to purchase price, or loan to cost. Uh, when you say loan to cost, it includes both the purchase price and the rehab, right? And so that is typically, most of the time, a hard money lender is going to propose something that to say 70% of loan to value, meaning that whatever the after repair value is, they're going to give 70% of that or 60% of that or 75% of that based on your credit and credibility and how much experience you have with them, right? So, so that is the most common one. Then in a hybrid, and then like I said, these, there are so many different variations of this. You know, I can probably write an entire book on all the different ones I've seen. So for example, here's an you know, hybrid example, right? They'll say, okay, I'll give you 70% of purchase price, 100% of the rehab, but not to exceed 75% of loan to value, right? So there is always going to be some maximum they're willing to loan because they want to make sure that their risk is mitigated, right? So if they, most people, if they give you 100% funding, you know, then they are, they are really, you know, they have a lot, lot of risk in the deal, right? So lenders or your partners have a lot of risk. So most people who are savvy are not going to do that. But there are some cases when the deal is really good, you can get 100% funding, right? Sometimes you can get a second lien on it, which I'm not going to, you know, I mean, there are different ways. You can do something like this, and then instead of bringing with the rest coming out of your pocket, you may get another funding, a second funding, second lien funding from somebody else, you know, maybe secured or unsecured uh, to, uh, to close the gap of how much you need. So even if you have no money, you can structure the deals if you have the right, right partners. All right, so let's talk about debt and equity. So in this case, you know, basically, 
you're going to pay the interest, you know, maybe the interest will be much lower than what you would pay for debt only, right? Because now you're also telling the partner that we'll give them, you know, maybe 10% of the profit or 50% of the profit, maybe, you know, maybe 10, 20% of the profit at the end. So, so they have some upside, right? So even in a really good deals, you know, you may find somebody, a lender or a private lender or a hard money lender to agree to, you know, you know, they want some minimum, so they may charge you a point or, you know, maybe a small, you know, you know, six, eight, inter, you know, in percent interest rate, but they may also say that, okay, I'll give you a lower financing upfront, but I want a portion of the profit, you know, at the end. So you can structure it like that. That's a debt and equity structure. And then the last one is equity only, right? So basically a lot of the joint ventures are done like this, right? So you can do a joint venture between a lender or a private investor. And you can say that, hey, I bring the deal, you bring the money, we'll split the profit 50-50. Right. So uh, I think you as a real estate investor, you know, have to keep all these options open. Right. Because let's say you have money and you, have, you are already doing a deal and another deal comes to your lap. You don't want to say no to that deal because you don't have money. Right. Or you're already tied up in another deal. If you have enough partners, then you can, you know, maybe do more deals and make more profits as well. So in an equity only or a joint venture, you know, uh, kind of thing, uh, you are, uh, you know, you pay no interest, but you only uh, split, not, you know, I, I'm missing an S there. Uh, you only uh, split the profits, right? So, so those are some of the, um, you know, main categories. But like I said, you know, each of these category, you can structure the deals any way you want it, right? So uh, typically a hard money loan, if 70% loan to value, maybe 12 to 14% interest rate, uh, two to three points. That is typical what we see in our market. Uh, I'm in Dallas-Fort Worth, right? Now, on a private money loan, you may see that one point and 10%, right? On a private money loan, or one point, one point and 8%, if you know somebody who has cash. Now, one, one big difference between a hard money lender and a private money lender I'll throw out there is hard money lender is going to be there for sure when you go to closing, right? You know, because they are established companies, they operate as a company. And once you get everything lined up, they will be there for closing. Uh, the problem with private money lenders, what I've heard is our private partners, sometimes they get cold feet at the end and they say, hey, sorry, I can't do this deal, right? You know, so you have to make sure that the private partner, he has, has experience and done several deals like this and they're going to be there you know, when, when it time comes to closing, right? Otherwise you're going to lose the deal and lose some money along the way as well, right? If your partner backs out on it. So just make sure that, you know, you pick the right partners. All right. Uh, and like I mentioned before, uh, when the lender is taking a higher risk, they will expect a higher return, right? So this is always going to be a risk reward thing. And, and also shop, your ability to shop around, right? And uh, your ability to sell yourself to people. But make sure that you have your team lined up, right? So not only your hard money lender, uh, your traditional lenders, you know, all of your contractors, everybody, the private money lenders, you have to build your team before you go into go to battle, right? Because once you find a deal, that's not the time to go figure out how to finance it, right? You need to have a good idea about how to do it before you find your deal. All right, so I um, one of the, some of the questions we get is, what about the interest payments? Well, interest payments are, you know, depending on if there's interest to be paid, then, you know, you're going to do a periodic payment, a monthly, you know, interest payment based on how much money you're drawn down, or 
you know, maybe some lenders will allow you to just pay it off at the end, right? When you sell the property or if you refinance out one or the other, right? So, you know, so they may defer the interest payments. Uh, so typically, you know, they may charge you interest payment monthly, right? So that way they get some of that money, some of that, some of that income coming in as well. So again, it's negotiable. So some lenders may allow you to do, uh, you know, you know, defer it till the end as well. Okay, so now let's talk about, uh, before we do the case study, I'll also talk about some of the deal structures for buy and hold. Uh, like I said before, uh, if you're just going to do a single family buy and hold, it becomes very complicated because you, know, you may only have like $300, $400 cash flow. Uh, you may have some repairs and it's, it's a lot of work to, uh, to split profits. Uh, but certainly when you're working on a larger deal or you know, a small multifamily or a commercial property deal, you know, yeah, this is done all day long, every day, right? On how, you know, how multiple people do it. Um, one, one caution that I will throw out there about joint ventures uh, is typically, you know, in a joint venture, the premise is that you're both equal partners, right? That's why it's called a joint venture. And like they say, you can't have more than one cook in the same kitchen. If you have two cooks in the same kitchen, you know, you may run into some, control issues, right? So uh, it's better if you are in control and your finance partner is passive, right? They just give you the money and leave you to do your thing, right? Uh, that is ideal, but uh, there, are some, there are situations where you do a joint venture, especially two experienced people getting together to get bigger deals done or done faster, which is certainly okay, you know, as long as you guys can work together, right? But uh, a lot of people will tell you that when you do a joint venture, there's also chance of you know, you know, personality clashes, right? So make sure that um, you, you guys talk about it before you do a joint venture where both of you are, you know, in equal control of the property. Okay, so let's look at a buy and hold. So I'm going to show you an example of, this is called a perf and promote example. So this is obviously for a larger multifamily buy and hold kind of scenario. So uh, if I could have you uh, focus on just the equity portion of this, table alone, right? Don't worry about anything after that. So here, let's say we need, uh, we need $100,000 uh, to buy this property. And the investor or your money partner is going to come up with 90% of that. And you as a promoter is going to come up with, or the deal sponsor is come up with 10%. Now this is negotiable, right? It could be 100% and zero. Uh, most of the time, your investor will want to see some skin in the game from your end. So it could be 95.5 or 90-10. So in this case example, we are using 90-10. This is how much money you're going to come up with. Now, 100,000 is what you need in, in the beginning to buy this property. And the rest is finance, let's assume. Uh, <clears throat> then you have cash flow every year, right? So first year, there's a cash flow of 7,000, second year, 8,000, and so forth. And then when you sell the property in year five, the assumption is we are going to sell the property after five years. And you're going to get a net proceeds of 154. That's after paying off the loan and uh, paying off all the you know, sales costs and commissions and everything, you're going to get 154 back. We already put in 100,000, right? So in the net sales proceeds is 54,000, right? So the 154, you know, after, after you return your initial investment, you're going to come up with a $54,000 profit. So that is our, our pro forma, right? So this whole thing is called a pro forma, right? This is what we are estimating that's going to happen. Now, how are you going to split profits on this? So this is not a fix and flip. This is a five-year hold scenario, right? And it's a pretty big deal. 
you know, hundred thousand dollar. I mean, it's not a big deal, but you know, let's say you know, assume it's a big deal. So, so in this particular split model, you're going to say structure like that is to say the investor is going to get a preferred return, right? First, and this is called a perf and promote. Perf means preferred return and promote example, right? So, first thing you're going to do is you're going to give your investor a seven percent return, right? And then you know, if there's any money left over, then you're going to split it a different way. And then when you sell the, sell the property five years later, you know, if you have, you know, net sales proceeds, you're going to split it differently, right? So that is the way this is working. So let's go through each of these, right? So the first one is, you know, preferred return. So you, let's say you're going to save 7% or 8% preferred return. In this case, we put 7% for both, right? So because the reason why we have the promoter also getting 7% is because we also put some money in there, right? So we are also essentially an investor in the deal. So we both get 7% for our money. So that's $100,000 that we needed initially. 90,000 came from the investor and 10,000 came from, the, from us, right? From, from, you know, we are the promoter or the deal sponsor. Now, if you look at the math, you know, because there is $7,000 cash flow in year one, 90, you know, 90% of that, 7% of that, you know, the, you know, 7% preferred return means 6,300 of that will go to the investor and we get $700, right? So, so every year, as long as the cash flow is more than, you know, we, you know, every year we're going to get that 7%, right? So that's what the 7% of the 90,000 is the 6,300, 7% of the, you know, that's what you're going to get every year. Now we got, we also get, you know, 7% of the 10,000 we put in, which is $700 every year. So everybody's happy for the initial part of the split. That's the preferred return part. Now, what if there's excess money? So if you look at it, in first year, we only have $7,000, right? So 6,300 and 700 is, takes away, takes up all of that 7,000. In second year, we have extra cash flow. We have $8,000 cash flow. So there is some money left over, right? So that is the $1,000 here, right? So you know, 63 plus 700 is 7,000, then there's total 8,000, so there's 1,000 left over. Now, so that excess can be negotiated how you want to split it. So in this case, we are saying that, all of this is negotiable, by the way, right? So we are saying that in this structure, we can split it 50-50, right? Whatever the remaining is 50-50. Now, if you do that, you can see that $1,000 get 50, you know, 50% of that 500 goes to the investor, 500 goes to us. Right. Every year we're doing a 50-50 split for the excess amount. Now, when you sell the property, remember we have that profit of 54,000, right? So that, that 54,000, or actually the 154 is the total, right? So we had to give money that their initial 90,000 back. And then we do a 80-20 split here in the sense that 80% of that profit goes to 80% of that 54,000 goes to the investor and 20% comes to us, right? This is called a carve out, right? So this is typically how a, a multifamily syndication is done that, you know, that 20%, uh, we're going to get an extra 20%, right? Um, and the investor is going to get 80% of that profit. So that 133,000 includes, sorry, let me go back there. So the 133,000 going to the investor includes the 90,000 that we had to return to him. And then the, you know, the 43,000 which would be 80% of the 54,000, right? So that's how that number comes up. And then the promoter, we get the $10,000 we put in back and then we get another 10,000. But, but the key is you're only putting very little money into the deal, right? You only put $10,000 into the deal. But when you look at your yield on the property, 
the investor's yield is 15% here, and your yield as a promoter is 30%. So your money is growing much faster, right? So you can, you know, you can have one deal with a few investors, you put $10,000 in or $100,000 in, and then you go and do another deal, right? So you can have multiple deals that you manage. Right? And on top of that, you can get an acquisition fee, you can get an asset management fee, you can get a refinance fee, you, know, you can get a, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, a disposition fee. There are a lot of other ways you can get a fee for managing those assets for your partners. So, so those are different ways you can make money in a equity partnership, right? So this is just an example. So let me go to the next chart, which is the same deal. Only thing is that you know we have negotiated better terms for ourselves. So same deal here, you know, equity, you know, 90-10, preferred return is 7-7, that's all the same. The difference here is this excess money, we said whatever is left over after paying you 7%, I'm going to keep 100% of what's left over, right? So that's why, that's the main difference between the previous one, we had a 50-50 split here. This one, we have a zero and 100%, 100% to the, to the sponsor, right, for us. So that means we're getting a higher return if the property performs better, right? So it gives us more incentive to make sure the property performs. Sometimes investors will look at it and say that's good for them too, right? Meaning that the more incentive you have for the promoter, then the chances of them also getting a higher return is very high, right? Or at least not, they're not going to lose money because there's more incentive for the sponsor. Now, instead of an 80-20 split, we're also doing a 50 split split for that 54,000. So uh, again, you're going to get a little bit higher amount uh, because of that uh, different split model. So you can see your yield is 47%, right? So the previous one, the same deal, we were looking at a 30% yield for the promoter. This one, we are looking at a 47% yield, 47.5% yield for the promoter, right? So I just wanted to give you two examples so you can see how you can structure these differently, right? You know, the preferred return could be 6%, you know, the equity, you know, or everything that's in gray here is negotiable, right? All this line that's in gray, I mean, that's calculated. So everything here, the 50, 50, 0, 10, 0, 100, 7%, and how much money you bring to the table, all of that can be negotiated. Now, this thing can be done on a commercial property, a multifamily property, and also on a single, single family property. But you can do it for any, any kind of deal structure like this. Uh, it's just what I was saying before is, you know, if it's a small enough, there's not enough cash flow, it may be an overkill to create a structure like this, right? So you may just want to do a 50-50 split on the cash flow or something like that, make it easy, right? So, uh, so that is some of the different models. So now let's get into the case study. Uh, before we get into the case study, Jeff, do we have any questions uh, that we can take before we go? No, there's none, including the Q&A box as well. Okay, all right. So let's go here and we'll go into ROI Muse. I'm going to log in. Uh, assume that everybody knows ROI Muse now. Um, uh, but let me just go straight into the case study. All right, we're going to do a residential deal first. So residential, let's do a fix and flip first. So we'll click on start new analysis and let's use a all cash scenario first that we are going to, uh, and let's say this is a 50-50 split. More, that's what we're going to call it. And uh, let's say this assume this is a 2000 square feet home. So <clears throat> I've already set the default number, so we'll just use the same numbers. So this is a $300,000 ARV. We're buying this for $180,000. $45,000 is our rehab estimate. And uh, let's see what else is here. And we think that we can sell this property in six months, right? Six months to sell. Uh, and get our money back. 
So you, for this deal, you need $232,000 uh, for the entire deal, right? Including your, your, you know, your operating expenses and carrying costs and your sales costs and everything is already included in here, right? And your profit is going to be $44,000, you know, in this case. Now, how would you split, split this deal uh, with an investor? Let's assume, you know, I mean, we're going to build these split models in here. It's not available in the software yet, but we'll be adding that in the near future. But let's say I'll use an Excel spreadsheet to look at this. So 232,000 is what we need. And let's say this is the equity we need and you're going to put in 0%, your partner is going to put in 100%. Like you, let's say your private money lender is going to, private money partner is going to put 100% in that. And so that means you put nothing, they put 232,000. And the profit is $44,000 here. And let's assume that we are going to get 50% uh, of the profit, right? So we can get, you know, a 20%, uh, 22%, I mean, 22,000 uh, profit on this deal without putting any of our money. And then the partner gets 22,000. And, and then look at the returns for them, return on investment, right? Your return is infinite because you didn't put any money, right? So we can't calculate, uh, we can't calculate what your returns are because you didn't put any money into it. Uh, but your partner's getting 10% return. So now the question is, is he willing, you know, is this deal, you know, you know, solid enough for him to, you know, do this deal with you for a 10% return? That is something that you have to have discussed with them to see how, how much they want, what percentage they want, right? What if the profit here is only 30,000 at the end of the day? We didn't get the 45. So that means that's only a 6% return for him, right? So maybe that's not good and that's not enough for them, right? So you have to kind of look at your best case and worst case scenario, right? Not just one number. Now, let me undo that. So we'll say 44%. So here's another example. What if they say, okay, you put in 10% or 20%. Well, let's say we put in 20% and partner brings the rest of the money. So we came up with 46,000. Okay, I don't have $46,000. So let me go back to 10%. I can say, okay, I'll bring in 10%. I'll bring in $23,000 for this deal. You bring in the 80 the instead of 50-50 split, I want a, you know, I want a 60% split, right? Which is a little bit fair. So then you can see how that works, right? So the partner gets 8% return or $17,000 in six months for, do, for partnering with you, right? But you're going to do all the work. You're going to find the property, you know, you're going to negotiate it, you know, you're going to do the rehab, you know, you're going to manage, project manage that, you know, you're going to get it ready for sell and sell it. And then once the money comes back is when you split it. So that is, that is how you can split on a, uh, on, a, you know, on a fix and flip deal, right? So, you know, so this, uh, this model will be built into ROI Muse um, in, the, you know, in the next few months. So that way you can analyze and also present how much, in, uh, how much the partner will get, right? So typically, what if you went 50-50 on the equity? So this will be more like a joint venture, right? And then what if you do a 50-50 here? So, if you did this, this, did this like this, look at your profit, $22,000, right? So let me highlight that. Okay, so there's 22,000 here. So we'll highlight this one. So I just want to show you, uh, that's the long one also. Okay, so 22,000 is your profit in this case, so in the 50-50 deal, right? Now, what if you are trying to compare if should I go hard money or should I go uh, with a joint venture, right, like this? Let's do an example. So we'll keep the same deal. So I'm just going to save it here. And what we'll do is we'll change this to hard money. Flip with hard money, right? Here, you don't have to give anybody anything. 
you got a profit of $24,000 in this deal. How much did we have? 22,000. So what would you do? You know, so with hard money, how much money you had to come out of pocket? Again, you had to come up with about $28,000. So let's look at that number, right? 28,000 is how much money you need. So what if we went back here and said, you know, we're going to bring in 10%, right? So that's about 23,000. So we can say 15%, I think that'll be pretty close or 34, maybe, maybe 12%. So, okay, so 27,000. So if you did a deal like this and did a 50-50 split, then you can get $22,000 versus if you went hard money, hard money route, if you can qualify for a hard money, hard money loan, then you get almost 25,000, right? So it's almost the same. Uh, whether you did that or the other way around. So for you to maybe, if let's say, in the, let's assume that you can get a hard money loan if you want to, right? And then you can also get a private money loan if you want to. What I'm trying to show you how to logically think to see what's a better deal for you, right? What if you can get a negotiate with your private money partner and say it's a 60-40 split? Okay, so now if this is better, right? You know, if I can do this deal, where I can come up with 12% of the money, they come up with 88% of the money, uh, which is be the same as what the hard money lender will need me to do. And then I can get a little bit better profit um, if we can structure it 60-40 with the private money lender, right? But if the private money lender needs 50-50, then you know, you're better off going with the hard money lender, right? Because it's, it's almost the same profit for you, a little bit actually a little bit higher profit for you. All right, so that's how that's done. So hopefully everybody understand how that works about how much money you put in versus how much percentage of the return you get, right? So this is how you can figure out what is your best strategy uh, to funding the property. Um, so <clears throat> again, we assumed here 70% loan to value from the hard money lender, 12% interest rate and at three points, right? Now, what if you can get a private money partner without equity to say, you know, hey, I can get this done to, you know, maybe 10% interest, and you know one point, and obviously that's a lot better, right? Now, 30, now you get to keep thirty-one thousand dollar profit. So you have to test different assumptions, test different models to see what's the best strategy for each deal, and it's going to vary from deal to deal, right? Based on what's available to you. But the first thing is to know what's available. So hopefully, you know that uh, everybody understood how how you can you know do that and how you can different ways you can structure the deals. So that is the basically what I wanted to show you. Uh, on the commercial side, you know, I mean, I'm not going to cover that today, but, you know, we'll probably do another class on the commercial side because that's a little bit more complicated, right? So again, we are also going to be building into our commercial analysis, how to do that per fund promote model that I showed you. All right, so let's go here. Okay. So continuing with our presentation, uh, again, back to uh, Real Estate IQ. So um, we guarantee that you're going to find a deal, right? Because we have so much data, 45,000 leads a month that you are, if you work those leads, you're going to find deals, right? So that is the guarantee. And like I said before, in the beginning, uh, you can schedule a one-on-one -on -one training uh, for deal finding or from, or, or with ROI Muse. If you want an ROI Muse training, just email support at ROIMuse.com. Uh, if you want real estate IQ training, just email customer support at realestateiq.co, right? And if you want ROI Muse, support at ROIMuse.com. And we will, you know, we'll reach out to you to schedule that meeting. And let's see what else we have to cover here. All right, uh, here's the freebies, right? So we have, and just for signing up, you know, you'll, you're going to get some 
heat maps and some, uh, because you want to know where to, how to target your, your deals or marketing, then you know, these this heat maps will help you identify where you should focus on. And then we also send out something called a deal of the day, right? So you can kind of see, you know, what, you know, a deal and kind of study it and see how that deal is analyzed. So it will help you with your growing. And then uh, these are some of the tools we have in ROI. We use commercial uh, tools, uh, which, which we didn't look at today. We looked at the residential fix and flip. And we also have the residential rental property analysis and residential BRRR strategy analysis. Right. And then we have a really good community, right? So make sure you become, join the community. Just go to realestateiq.co and you can join the community. Uh, and there, I have two, uh, two forums there, one for commercial deal analysis and for one for, commercial uh, for one for residential deal analysis. So make sure you join those groups. And, you know, and there are several other groups you can look at and join the ones that's interesting to you. Uh, there are a lot of vendors and a lot of learning. Uh, so this is what the community looks like, the groups looks like. So... Uh, there are so many groups that make sure you grow, uh, you join and learn uh, with other people. And what else is here? Uh, okay, happy deal finding. I think that's all I wanted to cover. So Jeff, I'll turn it back to you for closing. Yes, and thank you so much again, Joe, for this wonderful week with sharing what you know, ROI Muse and Real Estate IQ. All right, and again, thank you so much, Joe. And I have posted um, Joe's contact details, email address, and phone number. So reach out to him if ever, you know, you're watching this as a recording from our website. And speaking of recording, after this webinar, we are sending out emails with the recordings so you can review, you can uh, rewatch this um, webinar so you can, you know, have another guideline with ROI Muse. And also I have sent out my email address in the chat box in case that you missed the email. Um, I can get the email, the recording link for you. So again, everyone, thank you so much for attending in this wonderful Saturday. And Joe, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you, uh, Jeff. Thanks for all the support. And I'll talk soon. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day. Uh, bye. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.